Welcome to Music and Medicine. My name is Jacques Osmo, and music is my life. In this show, we will discuss the newest research on the intersection of music and medicine from scientific, musical, and historical perspectives. And most importantly, I hope that what you hear in this program will help you identify how to use music to make your own life healthier and happier. Today, we have the pleasure of having with us two professors from the University of Central Florida, neuroscientist Kiminobu Sugaya and the world-renowned violinist Ayako Yonetani. They have been teaching one of the most popular courses in the Burnett Honors College titled Music and the Brain. The course explores how music impacts brain function and human behavior, including by reducing pain and symptoms of depression. Dr. Sugaya and Dr. Yonitani, hello and welcome to our show. The first question is, how did you come up with the idea for the course and for teaching it together? Uh, I was in okay. the University of Illinois at Chicago, and then the, I love this weather, so I moved to Orlando, okay, and then wonderful. I met her. And then the, I learned she's a very good violinist, and then since I'm a neuroscientist, uh, mm -hmm. That was a, a conversation over the lunch sometime. And then the, we start talking, can we do something together? Let's say music and the brain. That was the starting point.
We've just heard a section of Johann Sebastian Bach Chacon from the Violin Partita Number no. 2 in D minor, played beautifully by one of our guests today, Dr. Ayoko Yonetani. Dr. Sugaya, how do we experience the emotional effects of music? How do we process the sound? You know the sound, the mm-hmm. travel, the air, it's a compression yes. and a depression like this. Yes. So the, uh, that wave vibrate the eardrum mm-hmm. and then the small three bones inside vibrate and then the, that uh, relate to the cochlea. Cochlea is the organ having the hair cells. Okay. So then the, this hair cells having a hair on the top and then okay. the sound vibrate those hair. That's how we can hear the sound, right? So then the, uh, this cochlea uh, recognizes the sound based on the place for the vibrate, not not that not that uh, how many vibration, mm-hmm. because the sound uh, we can recognize from the twenty to twenty k hertz. Okay, twenty thousand hertz. That much of the vibration, the hair cells cannot respond. Okay, our neurons are not that smart. <laughs> uh, our neurons smart, but not that smart. Right? Well, so we shed they, we shed a lot of them when we are eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they cannot respond that fast. So then, the, based on the uh, such a mapping, which part of the cochlea vibrate, uh, which part of the cochlea responded. So that's the uh, same map we have in the brain. That's the part of the auditory cortex. Auditory cortex has a, such a, a, a mapping, and then the. Uh, we recognize, okay, this picture of the sun was ringing or something. So then the, that's how we can hear it. After that, we process those sounds. If we think that's a music, mm-hmm. then we use the language center. If there's such a sound, is just a noise. We just ignore it. Sound or noise or the music. Those are the, the personal preference. That's the little bit farther down. No, no, no. But it's it's something that we can actually start talking about immediately. Um, <laughs> if you use music for the purposes of healing, the type of music that you play has to resonate with a, a particular person that you're trying to help. You know, it's a little bit tricky to be imposing your own taste on your patient. So, Dr. Yonitani, I'm wondering what you think about it. You're a classical musician. Well, it's not like uh, medicine, like taking oral mm-hmm. medicine. It's it has to have because the mu- if it's music, 
it's like if you are like uh, 20 years old, you already have some experience and then the memory is associated Maybe. with music. So in order to make some kind of difference, then it has to be the music has some meaning to that person. In order to be hearing, they have to like the music. If they hate that certain type of the music, it's actually more stressful. But may I ask you, and I'm very interested in this myself, Dr. Sugaya, are there any particular elements of musical structure that you think in themselves have a particular effect? such as rhythm, density of harmony, and this is neurologically, pulse, something that we can, for example, find in different types of music. Yeah, I think so. But the different types of the music, that's very difficult because the, like already we are discussing the pre- preference, mm-hmm. right? So then the first thing is the our brain is lazy. So we don't like a complex things. So that's why the dissonance is so much complex because uh, those waves uh, hitting each other, that makes uh, so much complex. So then the brain doesn't like it. That's the starting point. And then the consonants, that's more simple. So then the brain like it. That's why the baby likes the such a consonant to start with. So then the next thing is that like a rhythm. So the one example is a Parkinson patient. They okay. lost the rhythm in the brain. So our brain needs a rhythm to make the things uh, nicely, straight. So that's why the Parkinson patient uh, tremble or the, uh, they uh, have a difficulty to start walking, like a, uh, we call rigidity. Mm-hmm. Right? So then the, those things uh, uh, can be cured temporarily by the music because their okay. brain lost the uh, rhythm. Mm-hmm. But uh, we can give those rhythm from the outside using the uh, music. So then the, if we give the rhythmical music to the, such a Parkinson patient, they start walking just like normal. But it does not matter what type of music it is. It's, it's solely the rhythm. Yes. That is so the then the, if it's a rhythmical. And then okay. the, another example. So then the Alzheimer's patient, we say that we, we give the music, they, uh, it's good for them. But the, those music has to be the music when they uh, uh, they were listening when they were young with their uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, those emotional music. That's very important because the emotional memory is not fading out in Alzheimer's brain. Emotional memory is very strong, sticky. So then the, if we use the, such a emotional memory to recall them, then the Alzheimer's patient wake up and start talking. So... No, for example, the if you go to the drive to the like ocean with your girlfriend, and mm-hmm. then the, when you switch on the radio, and then the Hotel California or something okay. came up. Those music, if we give those music to the Alzheimer's patient, they wake up.
we've just heard Hotel California by Eagles. Today we are speaking to neuroscientist Kiminobu Sugaya and the violinist Yoko Yonetani about the way music impacts brain function and human behavior. So we did some of the study, very interesting study. That was the, we checked the frontal lobe function and then the, we give the music like 15 minutes and then that tested again. So then we saw like a, a 50% increase, 50% increase in the frontal lobe function after just a 15 minutes listening the Mozart. Maybe you heard about the Mozart effect. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, there is. And then especially we use the double piano concerto. That way we can see that much tremendous increase of the brain function. All right. So and if we use the Wagner, you might thought the Wagner could be a good music to encourage people. So then the, we tested. No, zero, zero effect. So then the, there are something. There is something, uh, you know, the uh, music, not just a preference. Well, I presume if you had people sit through the entire Wagner opera, <laughs> I mean, that would... <laughs> That would cause other problems in in that whole situation. But, and this is a question for for both of you. One thing that that I've noticed myself in reading different clinical studies of effects of music on brain is that, for example, we call it the Mozart effect because there was a lot of study of Mozart's music in that context. A huge majority of these kinds of studies involve Western classical music. So if we say that the music of Mozart does particular things to us, what are those specific elements of that music that are so effective? Or if Wagner's music actually drove people to be very energetic, what are those particular elements and how can they be translated and found in I mean, once we know what they are, we can find them in other types of music. So, and this is a question for both of you, Dr. Yonetani. So what do you think about it? What are the elements of Mozart's music that are actually so effective neurologically? I think the, I mean, compared to Bach or compared to much, you know, like a Schumann or something, the harmony is, I mean, I wouldn't say Mozart music is simple. But compared to Schumann or Wagner, I think the harmony is much simpler. And then the structure is also very easy to. It has to have certain tempo. Probably Allegro-ish, not presto, because then we our attention goes to the music only. Mozart has a kind of the shadow and then light effect in the short time. So sometimes we thought, oh, it's really happy. And then like a moment of the shadow. But mostly it's a major key, it's easy to. So I think that's probably, you know, like like a tune we remember, like a great songwriter, they know how to fool people. Like like some students just stick to the, you know, your brain and you cannot forget. And they know the technique.
was the first movement, Allegro of Mozart's Serenade in G, Eine kleine Nachtmusik. I'm personally very interested in the use of music in cancer care. There have been several clinical studies that show that music has the ability to limit the movement of cancer cells. I am just wondering if you could tell us about the mechanisms of how that might work. Yeah. Okay, there are a lot of things it may be involved, but one thing. So if you get stressed, cancer gonna be stressed. So then if you get stressed, the uh, uh, cortisol, that's a hormone stress, the okay. anti-stress hormone gonna be released. Mm-hmm. The, the side effect of the cortisol is to depress your uh, uh, immune system. Okay. Your immune system going down. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the stress release cortisol, and then your immune system going down. Okay. So then the music, on the other hand, can suppress the cortisol release. So that okay. means that uh, music can improve your immune response. So if your immune system is better, you can fight against the cancer. Mm-hmm. So as far as the science and technology is at the moment, is there any way to use music in a more targeted way with mm. predictable outcomes if certain techniques are used? Unfortunately, unfortunately, we cannot cure the cancer oh, yeah. by the music, right? Mm-hmm. But, but uh, the if we combine with other treatment, music will help because our body has to fight against the cancer. We are right. fighting against the cancer by not just the drug, our body itself. Right. Mm-hmm. So then the music can augment our power. So then the, well, definitely we should combine those things. On the top of that, music should be able to kill the pain as well. All right. So let's, um, let's continue along those lines. There is so much we can talk about today, obviously. I wish the show was much longer and we had much, much more time. But my intention was initially today to talk about uh, use of music in pain reduction and to treat depression if possible. So let's talk a little bit more about pain reduction and the mechanisms of, of how that might work. Okay. So then the pain, obviously, the physically, you can detect those pain by the neurons, neural system. That's mm-hmm. the pain. But the, the pain, very difficult to measure. Because the person to person, how much pain you feel, that's different. The pain is a very you know, subjective, the person to person different. So then the ladies usually very strong to the pain because they have to deliver baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So then the, their brain having a special substance called enkephrine endorphin. That's the uh, endogenous opiate. Opiate is like a morphine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the uh, outside of the stuff. But the other body having our own opiate. And then the ladies... 
release those opiate a lot. Okay. That's why the, uh, they can fight against the pain. They don't feel pain. Of course, they, you know, the tissue mm-hmm. gets uh, such a pain signal, but the, their brain says, it's okay. You are fine. That's the function of the opiate. Okay. Opiate releases the dopamine. Mm-hmm. And then the music can do the exact same thing. Music acting on the pressure center where the opiate acting on to release the dopamine. So then the soothing music doesn't work. We are not the soothing. We have to uh, excite the brain. So then the, to kill the pain, you need to have a very rhythmical music. Okay. Like a rock and roll or the heavy metal mm-hmm. or something. That's going to kill your pain. Oh, it's very interesting. So it's the exact opposite of the type of music that would lower the stress level. Uh, yeah. Yeah, something, yes. Uh-huh. But uh, the, we have to increase the dopamine in our brain. To increase the dopamine in the brain, such as soothing music, comfortable music, doesn't do that. Okay. Well, that is something that our listeners can directly use <laughs> or pay for that. Yeah, I hope so. Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of Lonely Street, that heartbreak hotel where I'll be. I'll be just lonely, baby. Well, I'm so lonely. I'll be just so lonely. I could die. Although it's always crowded, you still can find some room for broken-hearted lovers to cry there in the gloom. I'll be so, I'll be just so lonely, baby. I'll be just so lonely. I'll be so lonely. They could die. Keep flowing, the death clerk's dressed in black. Well, they've been so long on the street, they'll never, they'll never look back and think it's so, think it's so lonely, baby. Well, they're so lonely, well, they're so lonely, and they could die. Well, if your baby leaves you, you got a tale to tell. Well, just take a walk down the street to Heartbreak Hotel, where you will be. You're so lonely, baby. Well, you'll be lonely. You'll be so lonely. You could die. And this was Elvis Presley and Heartbreak Hotel. Especially here in Memphis, a birthplace of more than a couple of popular genres. There's much to choose from Mm. if you would like to use music to reduce pain levels. It's very interesting. Dr. Yonitani, how would you see place of classical music in that context? I guess Beethoven's symphony would reduce pain very well. I think seems like it's... Some music directly goes straight to your heart. It's like effect to the amygdala part. Mm-hmm. But sometimes like a Beethoven's music, I think it's more kind of a secondary emotion. It's like thinking, it's the stimulus to our intelligence that's going to excite us more. 
Yeah, I was just thinking while while you were talking, being in dentist chair, doing your root canal and hearing dun 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 <laughs> as all of this is taking place. Who knows? Maybe it would distract one from you know the turmoil yeah. in one's tooth. But the, the pressure center we call the ventral tegmental area and the nucleus accumbens. That's the area uh, illegal drug like a cocaine mm-hmm. or the you know those illegal drug that's gonna act on and that makes us happy. That's a straight pressure center, right? And okay. then the, we feel, uh, she mentioned about uh, like a Beethoven or some other uh, different type of the pressure. That one goes to the amygdala and goes to the hippocampus. And then you, mm-hmm. we appreciate. That's the different, two different uh, pressure centers. One is okay. more straight uh, pressure. One is a more kind of artistic a pressure or something a little bit different. So you mean one is more sort of sensual and one is more intellectual? Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, exactly. okay. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. That's very interesting. So how does this relate to depression and alleviating effects of depression? Can you please explain to us what is depression and what causes it? Okay. So then the, I talk, already talked about the stress makes the cortisol increase. Mm-hmm. Right. So then the cortisol can kill your neurons in the hippocampus. Okay. So you, uh, this is a lot of new, you know, finding, but mm-hmm. the, the, those depressed person, they're losing the neuron in the hippocampus quite a lot. Okay. Right. That makes a depression. So then matter of fact, uh, we used to think the, uh, just the increase in serotonin, that's a neurotransmitter, that's going to help the depression. So then the, many of the antidepressants, they're, some of them like a, a serotonin uptake inhibitor. That means the, the such a drug prevent the serotonin to disappear from the synapse. Okay. So then the, the person gets more serotonin. But the, those drugs took so much time to kick in. If the, uh, such a mechanism is just a serotonin, you should be able to see those effects in 20 minutes. Take a drug. And then you become happy in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. It takes like two or three weeks to fix in. Okay. Right. Then the scientists tried to find out why. And then they found those uh, 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 neuronal death in the hippocampus. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the serotonin uptake inhibitor, that's the antidepressant. That's increased the uh, neurogenesis in those areas. So it's recreating the neurons. Like uh, maybe the, uh, some people reported like a 7% increase of mm-hmm. those uh, neuron recovery without the drug, with the drug. That much different. Okay? We used to think that depression is just an uh, um, imbalance or unbalance of the neurotransmitter. No. The physically, the other brain uh, changed by the depression. So then okay. if we increase the neurogenesis, that's good. Mm-hmm. And then matter of fact, the music can increase the neurogenesis. Okay. Surprise, surprise. You know, the first finding of the stem cells, mm-hmm. that was in the birds. So then the bird uh, started singing in the spring by learning those uh, singing. And then the, they forgot the singing uh, during the summer after May. Okay. That's a life cycle, mm-hmm. right? So then the, uh, when we look at their brain, they're making the new neurons during the spring from stem cells. And then the, those uh, newly produced neurons, that's a memory for the singing. Yeah? So then My the uh, yep. singing music is producing these neurons, increasing the stem cells. So then the, from the uh, same argument, if we use the music, maybe we can increase our neurogenesis, our stem cells. 
If that's the case, music can reverse the depression by doing such a, you know, increase the neurogenesis. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah. So. And then, and then some people said, well, I never had a music training at when I was young or something like that. But everybody can sing. You might be diagnosed as Alzheimer, but by singing a lot, you don't really show too much those symptoms of not being able to do certain things. And then seems like the singing is the best. So would you say that singing is then more beneficial than playing instrumental? Oh, playing the instrument is good. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm just thinking about the birds and neurogenesis. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. If, if your body is actually an instrument, and I presume that... Mm-hmm. Singing is your good. body resonates once you start. And another fact, another fact, like a uh, uh, Ayako, you know, mm-hmm. the, they don't lose the temporal lobe thickness because a musician mm-hmm. temporal lobe is the part of the brain used for the you know the auditory cortex and also the language and so on. But unfortunately, they like me, layman. Uh, I don't play any instrument. Okay, so then they uh, we lose the thickness of the temporal lobe every day by aging but the musician okay. they won't, they never lose it so then the i'm keep saying like a conductors mm-hmm. they live long with a very clean nice brain they don't get much of the dementia and then the, they live uh, sometimes 90s right so then the because uh, they're uh, not playing the instrument but the, they're expressing themselves through the music mm-hmm. they're conducting right and then they're, the, they're surrounded listening. by it. They're up surrounded. So and also they're listening. So then the, those interaction that's important. And then on the top of that, they're doing the nice exercise every day. So this is an amazing advertisement for any conducting program at, <laughs> at a music school. <laughs> Supports yeah. your health and longevity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the, amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's the fact.
We've just heard an arrangement of the aria from Johann Sebastian Bach's Goldberg Variations, performed by Le Violon de Roy and conducted by Bernard Labadie. I have a question for both of you. I'm wondering if there are any pieces of music that you feel particularly partial towards. Dr. Yunitani. You know, for me, if somebody asks me, my favorite composer is of Bach. Okay. But but then they they ask uh, what about Bach and I I always ask <laughs> jokingly he's alien because to me the harmony and the everything is just beyond human beings I I appreciate more and more Beethoven as I get older I used to like Brahms a little bit better to me it's still human level but the Bach is beyond us Doctor Sugaya what about you Yeah so music have- that you feel particularly partial towards. I have two things to explain, right? So then the one is like a pop music, Japanese pop music, mm-hmm. right? So because I was a ski instructor uh, during the winter, like a, a three, four months, I spent in the mountain area. Okay. Right? During that, a certain music, uh, the name of the singer is the Matsutoya Yumi. Nobody knows. The European people knows. But, uh, they, you know, those uh, music, I never forget. I mentioned that uh, when I get the Alzheimer's disease, maybe I need those music. That's one mm-hmm. saying that, Bach, like okay. she said. That is amazing. And it is absolutely amazing to speak to the two of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Thank both you. of you. Of course. Thank you so much. And so we come to the end of today's program. Today, our guests were neuroscientist Dr. Kiminobu Sugaya and the violinist Dr. Ayako Yonitani both professors at the University of Central Florida. There, they have been teaching one of the most popular courses in the Burnett Honors College, titled Music and the Brain. Until next time, stay happy and healthy, and keep listening.